You're listening to the AAF Analyzed Podcast with your host, Derek Hyde and Garrett Lay. Hello and welcome. You are listening to AAF Analyzed Week 8 Preview. As always, I'm Derek Hyde and alongside me, Garrett Lay. Before we get started, <laughs> me. don't forget... If you're listening on YouTube, to like and subscribe. If you're on SoundCloud, to like and give us a follow. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, to subscribe and leave us a very nice review. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at AAF Analyze to keep up with all the latest AAF news and our episode release announcements. Great stuff there. Yeah, um, I'm very excited about episode release announcements and latest news. You know, who wouldn't be excited about those kinds of things? Like he said, a crazy person. Uh, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We're at 40 reviews now, which is fantastic. I feel like we're getting close to maybe making the new and noteworthy page, but maybe not. Who knows? Maybe it'll never happen. But you can at least try and do your part by leaving us that review. Thank you so much. We're aiming for 50 reviews. Yes, we are. Make my day. Now a word from our sponsor, Orca Coolers. Show off your AAF team pride with Orca Coolers, the best coolers and insulated drinkware on the market. Orca Coolers' new AAF team logoed coolers and insulated chasers and rockets drinkware will make you the hit of the tailgate. If you could take your new Orca appliances to the stadium for the tailgate or even use them when you're watching from your house. Orca Coolers drinkware and apparel are available online at orcacoolers.com. That is O-R-C-A-Coolers.com. NFL, NHL, MLB, and NCAA team-logoed merchandise is all available. Orca Coolers is extending a special offer just to our listeners. Just enter code AAFANALYZED in all caps, no spaces, for free shipping when you place your order online. Uh, yes, thank you, Orca Coolers, once again. Uh, Now it's time to get into perhaps the most negative news we have heard about the AAF yet this year. If you've been paying any attention to the AAF on Twitter or even ESPN gave me a notification as well as Bleacher Report because they kind of feels like sometimes they hope for these things. Um, There was a interview with the majority owner of the uh, AAF this week uh, where he said that there is a chance that the AAF could be discontinued if the AAF does not get the cooperation of the NFL Players Association in terms of allowing players who are currently on an NFL roster or practice squad to play in the AAF. This, you know, has many people worried. Uh, It had a lot of people freaking out. Um, I mean, the direct quote from him is, we are looking at our options, one of which is discontinuing the league, which was disheartening when I first read it. But Derek, you and I, we took a step back. We said we have to wait until we have all of the facts of the case. We don't want to jump to any sort of conclusions. Uh, So do you want to talk about what was the first thoughts we had on it when we first saw the the quote? I mean, we both kind of said that this is the end because we don't really see the NFLPA giving what the AAF wants, unfortunately enough. And we were talking about it and it's just that whole risk of injury for an NFL player is just so high that Mm -hmm. I don't know if the NFLPA is going to bite. And especially if you were to play in this fantastic league and get injured and miss the NFL season, you wouldn't get in a cured year of NFL service, which not only wouldn't count towards your total service at the end of your career, but it wouldn't increase your minimum wage that you can make from the NFL. And it's just going to be a tough sell for the NFL PA. Yeah, they give in the AAF players insurance, of course, health insurance, things like that. But it's just not going to change the fact that we have had so many people go on to IR in the AAF this year. Um, I mean, we'll talk about a bunch of them later on in this episode. A ton of guys get hurt all the time, and it's different than in baseball or in basketball or even in hockey, uh, where I feel probably the chance of injury in all of those sports is definitely highest in football because you're getting creamed every play. So that's the big hurdle that the AAF is going to have to overcome. But I think what you have to really recognize is the fact that the AAF does not necessarily need these players that are coming directly from the NFL. I mean, right now, the guys who are playing in the AAF, none of them were actually on 
um, teams at the time they signed with the AAF. There's guys from the CFL. There were guys who were on practice squads but have been cut from those practice squads. Uh, they're coming from all over the place. They're just guys who love to play football. So as long as those kind of players can keep the market up, uh, the AAF may have to try to continue to exist as a league, not as a feeder league for the NFL, but as a league separate on its own that just provides spring football, which I think it can do, but it has it will hurt probably some of the viewership just because it won't be players that people know as well. Yeah, I remember talking to someone here at Penn State where it was, I'm not worried about the talent of the players in the league because as opposed to what some people think, I really like the players and I think that there's a lot of talent here that people are overlooking because they're not in the NFL right now. But yeah. I feel like the AAF wants the NFLPA's cooperation mainly for the money aspect because currently their attendance numbers and their viewership numbers aren't going to cut it by themselves. And as sad as that is to say, I really think that the NFLPA keeping them from sinking or swimming is purely a financial issue and not a talent issue. Yeah, it is It is really unfortunate, the situation. Um, Dudon said, Dundon said that he will make a decision in the next two days, which feels really rash um, to like say, oh yeah, now we're just shutting down the league uh, in these next two days. So by the time you're listening to this episode, uh, the AAF might, it's probably still going to be afloat. That's what I feel like it's going to be because, I mean, Charlie Ebersole just gave an interview where he talked about the potential of the AAF uh, expanding to Detroit after Eminem tweeted about something where he said AAF, AAF players should be allowed to fight. Uh, which was a little more of a joke, but knowing Eminem, it probably was totally serious. And he talked about interest in a team coming to Detroit, and then Ebersole talked about that, um, and he said that he could really see that happening. And then we get this stuff from uh, Dundon, and you just don't know what to think. It's such conflicting information. The AAF has been completely silent about it, which is a little bit frustrating because mm-hmm. the fans really need to know what's going on, and particularly us podcasters kind of need to be able to get accurate info out to the fans. So if... The announcement comes before this episode releases on Friday morning. Uh, Then you'll know already, and we might be talking about something that is old news. Or, of course, we'll sit around and wait on Friday, and as soon as we see anything, we will retweet it on Twitter. Uh, So make sure you keep your eyes there. But for now, I'd like to have some good hopes about the AF because everyone absolutely agrees that it's great football. I mean, the Express and Iron game last week, I would say, proved that. Um, because it was it was excellent to watch. It was super entertaining, and none of these teams are really pushovers anymore. It seemed like that may may have been the case at the beginning of the season, but that just isn't how it's looking now. These guys are really good football players, and the teams are shaping up. So I really want this to see this league continue, and I hope that's what happens. Um, but yeah, so that is pretty much it in terms of the future of the AAF right now. Yep. If anything happens after yeah. our post, we can create a special short episode kind of yeah. highlighting our thoughts and simple stuff like that. But we'll just have to wait and see. But until then, let's get into these major games because we've got a good slate of games coming up this week. We still have football to be played. We can't go we can't go being negative Nancys around here moping about the future of the AF. We still have some games that we can of course watch. So We're going to go ahead and begin with the Orlando Apollos at the Memphis Express, Saturday, March 30th at 2 p.m. on TNT. This is one of the extra games that TNT picked up because they like the league. Um, A couple (laughs) game notes. This is a must-win game for Memphis, Memphis, and they're coming in with a lot of momentum. But even though Orlando has a playoff spot locked up, they have to make sure they win this one to secure home field advantage, so they, of course, won't be playing for nothing here. Um, keys to the game. My first key is that Memphis offensive line. The iron defensive line absolutely dominated this unit last week, racking up six sacks and nine quarterback hits. Uh, the Apollos pass rush is not one you want to underestimate, particularly because of the fact they are backed up by a stellar secondary that has the ability to force those sweet covered sacks. Luckily for this O-line, Silvers has shown that he shines even when getting walloped, so he might be able to uh, bail them out if they don't step up and still give up a lot of sacks because last week Silvers, of course, had excellent numbers despite getting sacked six times. And um, also the O-line needs to be able to open up some holes in the running game for Zach Stacy. Stacy's production has slowed and really needs a boost, and against this run defense, which is anchored by Jarrell Worthy in the middle, it'll be tough to do, but if this offensive line can step up, this um, this express offense should be rolling this game. 
Yeah, I was thinking very similar things about the Express offensive line. They've definitely been one of the lackluster ones in the league so far. Zach Stacy hasn't rushed for over 41 yards since week two. Yeah. It's been very frustrating for him. I know their quarterbacks are getting hit a lot, hence why we haven't seen Mettenberger play in a little while. So it's just kind of a little bit upsetting for them. But if they are to step up, I feel like they could definitely give Orlando a little run for their money. Yeah. Um, my next key to the game is here's Johnny. Uh, how much Johnny football are we going to see in this game? Brandon Silvers was, of course, fantastic last week and will be the obvious starter. But I can guarantee you that Johnny will break down the bathroom door and come in for a few drives to keep a very strong Apollo's defense guessing. We saw his propensity to run the ball last week, and the Express might need that change of pace during the game if their offense ends up stalling. Fantastic references. Thank you. Fantastic. Yeah, but, Johnny's uh, gonna bust through. I think episode eighteen, we're gonna be saying, "Where's Johnny?" Because Ooh. I don't understand what the game plan for Manzel would be. Like, by no means did Johnny play poorly last week. You can't say that. But with Silver's playing as well as he did, and a potential playoff berth on the line, why doesn't this game just go completely to Brandon Silver's, who's been by far and away their best quarterback over the past two weeks? He's been there the whole season. I just don't understand why they would want to go to Johnny at this point. Yeah, it's weird. I was reading an article they were where the Express were talking about the synergy that Silvers and Manziel have, and I think they're just kind of forcing it a little bit. Like, they have a great player in Brandon Silvers. I don't see why they have to put Johnny Manziel in there right now, particularly, like you said, with the kind of stakes. If the game slows down for them and they can't get anything going, then yes, by all means, put Manziel in. But if Silvers is hot, let him stay hot. Don't pull him out um, after he comes off of like a really solid drive, kind of like they did last week where they just alternated quarters. So I'm a big proponent of Silvers here. Uh, who knows? He could really let us down, of course, this week. But of course. Um, I that do can think happen when you play the Apollos. Yes, I do think that they should try to stick with Silvers for at least as long as they can. Yeah. I um, completely agree. Yeah. So the how are the Apollos going to win this game, though? They have to keep the intensity up. They return to their normal dominant form with the thrashing of the Legends last week and need to keep their ridiculous efficiency and tempo up in this game. You may recall that the Express gave the Apollos their first scare of possibly losing all the way back in Week 3, and this is a way better Express team than the one in Week 3. So Orlando cannot underestimate the Express, who are going to be playing for their playoff lives this game. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. The one thing I'm looking at with Orlando is just don't be cocky. This isn't something I'm particularly worried the Apollos will do, but there's always cause for concern because it could happen. In terms of points per game average, the Apollos have the number one offense and the number one defense. So by no means, yeah, well, by no means should the Express win this game. So as long as they don't let the new Memphis quarterback scare them. They should be able to pull out some impressive play of their own, and the Apollo should walk away with this one pretty handily. Yeah, my players to watch for this game is going to be the unit who is going to try to be scaring the Memphis quarterback, and that would be the Apollo's the Apollo's cornerbacks. Uh, these guys are elite. Not only do they have the best cornerback in the league with Keith Reazer, but Cody Riggs and Deji Olatoye. Yeah. Heck Olatoye. yeah. Um, had huge games last week and have been performing all year long. Reese Horn is going to have his work cut out for him if he wants to hit that 100-yard mark again against all of these cornerbacks because they all are great coverage guys, uh, and they're just excellent all around. And then for the Express, Alton Pig Howard is going to be my player to watch here. Reese Horn, of course, has been their star wide receiver these past two weeks and has been absolutely dominant, but Pig Howard has quietly been getting better and will have to have a big game uh, this time around because the Apollo secondary will probably be occupied with slowing down Horn. So if Pick Howard could really uh, open up the passing game, that would be big for the Express offense. Yeah, Horn is definitely going to be very a very big factor in this game as he has exploded over these past two or three weeks. But of course, with corners like Keith Reaser or Reaser, it's definitely going to be a tough challenge to cover him. So you got to have a good number two to kind of, kind of yeah. balance that out. Balance that out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Players to watch for me, though, I'm looking at Zach Stacy because for his starting as hot as he had, he has not recorded more than 41 yards since week two. He 
Still appears to be their unquestioned number one running back, though, so we'll have to wait and see if they can actually get a run game going before we kind of go out here and say that the Express are going to challenge Orlando for this game. Yeah, those first couple weeks, I thought that Zach Stacy was one of the premier running backs in this league. He was up there, of course, with Dearness Johnson and Jarrell Presley and, I mean, Jaquan Gardner those first couple weeks and all those guys. But he's since really slipped off. He's been replaced by Dearness Johnson, Davion Smith at the top of the running back rankings. And I don't know if that's all his fault. Like we talked about earlier, the offensive line has been a little lackluster. So I am rooting for him to go ahead and get back on his feet. So it'll be interesting to see how he can play. But Is it just me, or did like almost all of the top running backs from those top those first three weeks kind of change? Oh, yeah. they It was a complete fit because Joe Albano is no longer up there. I mean, Brandon Oliver, of course, is on IR. Uh, besides Gardner's Trent Richardson, yeah. yeah, besides Trent Richardson, pretty much everyone is, well, I mean, right now the Apollos have the two highest rated uh, running backs in the league with Davion Smith and Dearness Johnson, according to PFF. So, I mean, they're pretty much dominating all across the board. And one of my potential fantasy stars for this week is, in fact, Davion Smith. He got more carries altogether and more carries in the red zone last week than Dearness Johnson, and he scored those three touchdowns. So it'll be no surprise to me if he stays hot this week. I wouldn't be, of course, afraid to start Dearness Johnson because he also can produce. But Davion Smith seems to be their touchdown getter, so that's probably going to be repeated this week. Yeah, Dearness Johnson had more yards in that game last week, so... Definitely don't be afraid to start him. My potential fantasy star is pretty obvious. i got to go with Garrett Gilbert. I'll take the easy one. <laughs> Gilbert has thrown for more than 200 yards every single week of the Alliance so far, and he's going against the Express that average over 220 yards against. That Express passing defense has not been particularly good this entire year, so look for Garrett Gilbert to absolutely shred them. If you're in the week, If you're in the weekly fantasy for AAF, you just have to start Garrett Gilbert because... He's been the best guy week in and week out. Yeah, and this should be the last. I know daily fantasy is different, but if you're doing season long, this is the last week of regular season play in most leagues. So depending on who you start here, it could really have some serious implications for who wins your league. So uh, I'd definitely start Garrett Gilbert if you have him because he, of course, will perform as usual. Now for our predictions. Yeah, I, I don't know why you would ever not start him. Um so, predictions for this game. I think this is actually going to be a really close game because the Express, uh, they were a worse team in Week 3 and they were able to hang with the Apollos, so I think it's going to happen again. But I do have the Apollos winning this game 28-27 to for the Express. Uh, like I said, just like the Week 3 game, it's going to be close. Uh, because the game is in Memphis, that's also going to help keep the game close. The Express have improved, like I said, but unfortunately for them, so have the Apollos. So the Apollos will be taking this game. Yeah, I agree with your choice of winner, but I don't think this game's going to be close. I got the Apollos 32, Express 16. If you don't think Steve Spurrier looked at that game that they played close last time and saw that as a loss, I think you're crazy. I think Spurrier's going to be out there. He's going to be destined to prove that that last game shouldn't have been that close, and he's going to make a point to do what the Apollos do best, and that's win by a sizable margin. The Apollos are far more poised than the Slipping Iron, which is who the Express beat last week. And Spurrier knows what to look for on tape, and I'm confident that this will be a pretty comfortable win for the Apollos. All right. Uh, So that is the first game done and done. Now we move on to the San Diego Fleet at the Salt Lake Stallions, Saturday, March 30th at 8 p.m., and this game is on NFL Network. So for this game, if the Stallions lose, they are done. They can no longer make the playoffs, and their season is over. Hopefully not forever. Their season is over. Um, If the Fleet lose, they are going to be in some trouble themselves. If the Fleet win, however, they are going to be in a pretty good spot because Arizona has to go to San Antonio, and a win will uh, be able to have them keep pace with whatever team loses that game. Yeah, all the games in the Western Conference have very big uh, consequences going forward and both of these teams have a chance whether that only be two percent like salt lake so winning is absolutely crucial for their success so it's going to be very interesting to see how these teams play with their backs against the wall yeah particularly one team has their back against the wall due to injuries yeah 
the fleet are not looking too hot with injuries. The breaking news, the fleet just placed running back Jaquan Gardner and wide receiver Dantes Ford on season-ending IR. If you are very close to obtaining a playoff spot, the last thing you need was to lose your top rusher and receiver the same day. That's just incredible, and I feel so bad for the Fleet fans as they are right on the brink of a playoff berth. Thankfully for them, though, they do have fantastic players to fill in there. Terrell Watson at running back and Nelson Spruce at wide receiver. It's going to be hard without Ford and Gardner, though, but I think that the Fleet might be able to get it done. Yeah, what you, you never want to lose players as good as Gardner and Ford uh, to IR this close to the playoffs. The designation to IR does explain why Jaquan Gardner has slowed down so much in these past weeks. Obviously, something was bothering him, and he just wasn't able to get going on the field. Uh, mm-hmm. So I hope both of those guys are feeling better. But so how can teams win this game, Derek? How can the Stallions win this game? The Stallions, they'll win this game if they don't turn the ball over. We say it quite literally every week, and they never listen to us. So Josh, Joel, and the rest of the boys in blue, listen to me right now. If you give the ball to the other team, you will lose this game. It happened to you last time against the Fleet. And particularly talking to Joshy Boy here, your silly pick last week put the game out of your reach, so don't do that again. If you play the exact same way you did last time you played the Fleet, but no turnovers, you're going to win this game. So just don't do that. Uh, So now that I've told the Stallions how to win... Yeah, I've told the Steins how to win. If they just listen to our show, they'll win this game. Um, I've told them how to win, so how do the fleet do it? Pretty much in the exact same way. Just don't turn the ball over, and you should be okay. Pretty much whoever turns the ball over less should win this game. But, important note, you might ask, what if neither team turns it over, and both of them have zero turnovers? What's going to happen? Well, even though it's unlikely, I'm glad you asked. The team that can run the ball more effectively will take this one because just the slight advantage in game time management uh, that's offered by the run game will help a ton. It isn't going to be easy running either. The Stallions boast, of course, the best rush defense in the AAF, and the fleet are down to really just Terrell Watson at running back, while the Stallions just have Joel Buonio because, of course, Brandon Oliver is on IR now, too. Also, the Fleet have the second-best rush defense in the AAF, so this is going to be a battle that is maybe decided by one first-down run. Yeah, I mean, you aren't kidding. Both of these teams do have terrible turnover luck. The Fleet give up far too many turnovers. I think they're at something like 11 interceptions right now. And the Stallions give up fewer, but they always seem to be in costly situations. So the turnovers are definitely the real thing to see. And I think the running game could go either way with Watson and Buanya running because they're both very talented players. So I think we'll just have to wait and see because both these teams do boast really good rush defenses. Yeah, and another thing that is offered by these uh, teams' defensive line is not only their rush defense, but their pass rushes as well. A vital part of both of these teams' games is that pass rush, with, of course, Carter Schultz for the Stallions and DeMontre Moore for the Fleet at 1 and 3 in the AAF in terms of sack numbers, respectively. They are going to be vital in that turnover battle as they can force fumbles and sacks on sacks or force the quarterback to make ill-advised throws by getting in their face. Yeah, we mentioned it for the last game with the Express, but these offensive lines are going to have a lot to deal with. And the Fleet O-line did give up the most sacks in league history week one, so just about anything could happen here, especially with Berkovici's knack for getting sacked. No, that rhymed. That was nice. Knack for getting sacked. I'm a poet and I don't even know it. (laughs) Um, So players to watch for this game, I have San Diego Fleet cornerback Cameron Kelly. Cameron Kelly has certainly cooled off since his three-pick performance against the Stallions in Week 5, but he has Josh Woodrum's number, and he will be hungry for another big game. On the other hand, I would not be surprised if Woodrum tries to keep the ball as far away from Cameron Kelly as possible, and the biggest impact Kelly might have comes from the fact that part of the field he covers might never be thrown at. So it'll be interesting to see how he can uh, impact Josh Woodrum's plans to throw the football. Yeah, Kelly is an interception magnet, and Berkovici tends to throw a decent bit of those, so I'd be surprised if we don't see Kelly pulling up at least one or two big plays. 
Yeah, um, on the Stallion side of the ball, however, they also have a pretty solid cornerback, and that is Cody Brown. He hasn't really emerged until last week here, but he looked really solid last week. He came away with a pick, and he's probably the best corner on the Stallions currently. If you can shut down Nelson Spruce, because, of course, Dantes Ford isn't playing, the Fleet offense is going to be in trouble in terms of the passing game, because after Spruce, the talent really drops off besides Gavin Escobar. Yeah, I didn't really think of too many people to watch in this game that weren't potential fantasy stars, so let's move over to that. You did mention some people on the fleet. I got Terrell Watson as a potential fantasy star because without Gardner, Watson is the uncontested number one back this week, and even though the Stallions have one of the best rush defenses in the league, Watson has had two touch has had a touchdown in each of the past two weeks, meaning he could just have a Trent Richardson-esque performance, which is more than okay for fantasy owners. In the I, AAF. Yeah, I can, I can see him having like four yards but two touchdowns or something like that. Exactly. Giving you a good 12 points in fantasy. Uh, for me, both of my fantasy stars here are going to be wide receivers on the fleet side. Nelson Spruce, Dantes Ford, now on IR. So, and Spruce is Berkovici's go-to. He had over 140 yards and 12 catches last week. So he's pretty much a must-start now. Anyone who has that many catches and that many targets and that many yards, you should start them in back-to-back weeks. And then. That's true. On the Stallions receiving side, I have DeMornay Pearson L. He's still clearly the Stallions' number one and had 130 yards last time they played the fleet, so look for him to make some big plays as well. Yeah, and I have a weird person to start. I get the Stallions' defense. The fleet are a team that just turn over the ball far too many times, and I feel like I rag on them too many times for that, and I'm always trying to start my defense against them. But it's true. And on the road, the Fleet are just absolutely dreadful. They've never won a single game away from San Diego. So I just got to go with that Stallions defense. I think they'll be the team to start in this weekly in the weekly fantasy league. Um. All right. So there is your defense to start for the week. Now, what are our predictions for this game? For me, I have Salt Lake actually taking this game 22-17 to over the Fleet. Yes, we had the Stallions ranked last in our power rankings last week, but the Fleet have lost two more vital pieces of their offense to IR and Ford and Gardner, and I see their offense struggling mightily this game, so I'm going to give Salt Lake the win. Yeah, see, you were surprised there. I also have Salt Lake taking this one. I've got San Diego 20, Salt Lake 23. I made the mistake of choosing the Fleet on the road last week, and call me a fool if I was to make that mistake twice. (laughs) The Fleet have won no games on the road this year, and when Salt Lake, it gets a little bit colder, so I don't really see that trend breaking anytime soon. Give me the Stallions. All right. So, now, before we move on to the second half of the show, we have a word from, of course, our lovely sponsor, Orca Coolers. Uh, As a matter of fact, Derek, I just had something wonderful arrive in the mail today from my father. It would be, be, uh, well... What is it? It's an Orca Cooler Chaser. That's right. I'm holding it in my hand right now. I'll go ahead and take a sip. It was delicious, icy cold, and refreshing. Um, I have the pit engraved one, and it is lovely. The seal on the lid is fantastic. Let me tell you, it has a great ergonomic grip. And this bad boy is solid. You could toss it off of the top of the Cathedral of Learning, and it would not break when it hit the ground. All right. <laughs> um, it's an excellent cup, and I highly recommend it. So that's the chaser. I chose the pit chaser. Uh, it's lovely. If I recommend getting one for your college, or of course they have them for NHL and AAF teams as well. Um, it has new micro- microplated stainless steel cooler palette that lets you carry your favorite team color, while the double-walled vacuum-sealed body ensures that your ice will stay frozen and your drink will stay strong. Team color lids allow you to see when it's time for a refill, too. My lid is yellow, and it is great. Orca coolers, drinkware, and apparel are available online at orcacoolers.com. That is O-R-C-A coolers.com. NFL, NHL, MLB, and NCAA team logoed merchandise is available, so you're ready for every single season. Orca Coolers is extending a special offer just for our listeners. Enter the code AAFANALYZED in all caps and no spaces for free shipping when you place your order online. Yeah, I'm sure your dad had used that co- that code that we were given for that specific he did. cup. He did use it. It's a fantastic deal. You can't let that go to waste. Nope. 
And let's move on to the Sunday games where things start to get a little bit interesting, where we start off with Atlanta taking on Birmingham in Birmingham at 4 p.m. This will be the game on CBS Sports Network. I do believe that this could be a clinch scenario for the Iron because I believe with a win here and an Apollos win over the Express, the Iron would officially clinch their spot in the playoffs. However, they wouldn't particularly want an Apollos win as they are chasing home field advantage. So that kind of leaves the Iron in a sticky situation right now. But needless to say, they need a win. But the Legends are trying to keep them because they're trying to keep their slim hopes of making the playoffs alive as well. Yeah, it's game. it's the hopes are certainly slim. Uh, this is not a great matchup for the Legends, particularly after that cold week last week. And, of course, as you have written here, the Legends are bitten by the injury bug, just like the Fleet. Yeah, they just did lose their top player on their team, maybe just their defense. But Tyson Graham Jr. was just placed on IR, one of many people to be placed on IR this week. And it is sad to see Graham go on IR as he is one of the Alliance's leading tacklers for a good portion of the year. And he still is one of the top defensive players in the Alliance and could get contract offers. But needless to say, he left a huge hole for the Legends to fill at safety and I feel like that's something that could easily be exploited by the Iron. Yeah, um, the Iron now definitely have a very prolific passing game, so I wouldn't be surprised if Louis Perez decides to uncork it occasionally, particularly to his speedy receivers like LaDamian Washington down the field now that Graham is out. Yeah, LaDamian Washington, Wes Saxton, Quentin Patton, they have one of the least injured wide receiver cores in the league, knock on wood. But it's just going to be a fantastic game to watch, and I think that the Birmingham Iron might be able to put an offensive show for once in their lives. Yeah, um, I think they could explode, uh, particularly the run game. That's what I'm going to be looking for uh, to really get the Iron going, because as we know, the Legends do not have a good run defense at all. So, <clears throat> oh boy. Um, so I think Trent Richardson might actually have over 50 yards this game. That's probably my boldest prediction here. Over wow. 50 yards for Richardson. He will also get in the end zone. I can guarantee right. that. Let's talk about the Legends here. The Legends need to get back to their game because the Apollos knocked them off of their style by holding the ball and running more plays than they had. But the Legends need to get back to the Zampezi way and control the ball if they want to try and push the pace and win this game against Birmingham. But on the other side of the ball, I'm looking at Birmingham to push the pace themselves because conversely, the Iron would want to take as much plays away from the Legends as possible, just as the Apollos had done last week. The less the Legends get to play with the ball, the more a chance they have to win this game and dominate in favor of Birmingham. Yeah, the Birmingham Iron have to play fast. The Legends are going to have to play faster. That's pretty much what it's going to come down to uh, this week. Yep you got to force the Legends into making more mistakes than you as well. Because just like last week, the Legends are playing on a defense that thrives off of turnovers. The Iron win games with their ability to cause many turnovers, which could cause a repeat of last week for the Legends, unfortunately enough for them. And looking at quarterback for the Iron, can we please see some more Luis Perez? Because it's been a fun time to watch. <laughs> Perez is nearly 600 yards and five touchdowns over the past two weeks, and this is the complete opposite of what we got used to to start the season, and for my own personal enjoyment and for the success of the Iron, Perez will just be very fun to watch, and I can't wait. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty glad that Perez has started to look good because he made me look like an idiot for a few weeks for believing in him. Uh, I started to look like he was literally never going to get in the end zone. Uh, even though I said that I thought he was going to get in the end zone almost every week. And then he got benched, and I was sad. Uh, but now he's looking excellent. He's been in the end zone quite a bit lately. It's his new home now, and that's very exciting for Luis. You wonder if maybe some of those NFL contracts are coming back. Probably not. But no, Actually, maybe. I, maybe. I wasn't thinking about that. That might that. be nice. That might be nice for him, redeeming himself. A redemption tour for Luis Perez. Very redeeming. Let's go to players to watch in this game. I think I'm going to be watching the Legends safeties because, as I said, Tyson Graham will be a huge hole to fill for the Legends. And I think it'll be interesting to see who steps up to try and replace Graham and whether or not they can do as good of a job, if not better, because yeah, so that is something the Legends need. 
Somebody's going to have to step up there. What they're particularly going to miss is those tackles uh, because Tyson Graham was more than just coverage. He was making tackles all over the field, well, it was whether it was in the run game or the pass game. So that might be something that you find the legends struggle with. For me, my player to watch is le- uh, iron receiver Quentin Patton. The current receptions leader in the AAF is only 7th in the league in terms of yards and has zero touchdowns still. Uh, will this finally be the week that he actually makes in the end zone? I could see it happening. I'm not sure if it ever will, but this week is as good as any for him to get that first elusive touchdown. Yeah, Garrett, don't make any predictions I, because yeah, you I trying know. to predict iron touchdowns is not something you're very I, good at. I know. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say that he might get a touchdown, but certainly probably don't listen to me because I not guaranteeing not anything. No. Potential fantasy starts for this game. I got Luis Perez because Garrett Gilbert tore up the legends last week for over 200 yards and a touchdown. The way Perez has been playing, expect him to do even more. As I just said, 600 yards, five touchdowns over the past two weeks. He's looking to keep that trend going, and I'm seeing at least 200 yards and possibly a touchdown or two. Yeah, he looks like an excellent start at quarterback if uh, you don't want to spend that money on uh, Garrett Gilbert in daily fantasy, or if you can't get him, um, you know, in terms of waiver wire or whoever has him on his team. So if you can get Luis Perez, start him over or instead of Gilbert here. And then for me, it's going to be one of the guys Luis Perez will be throwing to, and that is LaDamian Washington. I will issue a warning here. He was non existent last week, and we know what he can do, but we know what he can do, so. Uh, If this is the last week of your fantasy regular season, I say take a chance on him if you're sitting in a good position in terms of your record. If not, I'd definitely be more cautious. And as an important note, he was listed as a did not participate in practice on Wednesday. And if he doesn't play, I would fill that fantasy spot with Quentin Patton instead. But LaDamian Washington certainly is a big play wide receiver, and I think he could open up some big plays again this week. You can't forget about Wes Saxton as well. He's I know, you love Wes Saxton. wide receiver. I just love his name, personally. But, you know, he's a good football player, too, on the side. Uh, yeah, he's, he's an okay football player on the side. Yeah, he doesn't play in a professional league or anything. All right, let's move into our predictions in this game. I got a feeling they're going to be pretty obvious. I got Atlanta getting slaughtered 10-30. to 30. The new Luis Perez has me riding very high on the iron. And the Tyson Graham injury, the Apollo loss, has me thinking the opposite on the Legends. I think this could get ugly with playoff implications in place, so the Iron are my choice by a pretty sizable margin. Yeah, same for me. Not as not by as sizable of a margin. I have Birmingham taking this game 24-17 here. Atlanta had a very rough week last week, and despite the fact that the Iron lost, they still looked very good. Memphis pulled out some late-game miracles. In this game, I see the Iron offense giving them the edge, as opposed to their game normally leaning on the defense. I think it will be the offense that carries them to a win. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And let's move into our final game of the week. Arizona taking on San Antonio at the Alamo Dome, the most exciting venue in the Alliance by far. That'll be Sunday at 8 p.m. on NFL Network, so everyone can hear them loud and clear all over the country. That game should be rocking. Uh, I'm excited to watch that on the TV. Yep, Rich Neuheisel was talking about how he expects to see upwards of 30,000 people at the stadium there, and that's just an awesome number, and I can't wait to get her going. Yeah, it'll be sweet. Game notes of this game. This is easily the most meaningful game of the week for any team, and they put it on prime time for us to enjoy. San Antonio is playing for a two-game lead on the West and almost certainly granting them the division title. And Arizona is playing for the lead of the West themselves. Just don't kill the momentum. Both teams are riding in hot with stellar play all around. The hot shots are coming in on a two-game win streak where Wolford looks more like his week one self than ever before, and they have a solid grasp on a playoff spot. The Commanders are on a four-game winning streak. That's right, their last game that they lost was week three against San Diego when their entire (laughs) team was not injured. That would be the Fleet team. And both teams look hot, 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 and they definitely don't want to cool down anytime soon. Hot, hot, hot. (laughs) We're not going to go there. Okay, I'm not going to start singing. Keys to the game. San Antonio crowd. The best fans in the AAF, hands down, belong to the Commanders. Their fan base has increased 
every single home game. And they even eclipsed 30,000 people last week. And this game is going to be more important. And it's going to be loud in the Alamo Dome. And I'm so excited to get going with it. Yeah, I'm sure to go to that game would also be awesome with all of those 30,000 other fans. They did this kind of weird thing last week where they brought out their phone flashlights and started waving them around like they were at a concert instead of doing the wave. Um, I'm not saying I disapprove of it. Um, So I say keep it up. It's a cool thing to have your own thing. So I'm I'm excited to see 30,000 lights shining uh, over the Alamo Dome as the Commanders play the Hot Shots. I think it will be an awesome scene and, of course, will be good press for the AAF. Come on, that's not a weird thing. Quick lesson what? in Penn State. When you play the uh, whiteout game against Ohio State, lesson when they Penn play State. all of the lights, that means everyone in Beaver Stadium turns the flashlights on their phone and they shine it right down in the stadium. It's one of the coolest things you get to see here. Yeah. And Is it? It's not weird at all. Oh, Penn State doesn't do anything weird. Nah, not at all. Back right. to the game. Let's look at the Josh Woodrum question, though, because I cannot say for sure whether or not Josh Woodrum is able to play this all-important game after suffering an injury late last week, except, hint, hint, he was a full participant in practice, so he probably will. Yes. However, talking to the team reporter about the hot shots, and I personally would find it weird to ask the injured player about a game thought, so my personal opinion is that we're definitely going to see him, but... I think that he could be a game-time decision still, but as what if Woodrum plays, i got to have San Antonio winning this game. Yeah, Woodrum should definitely play. Being a full participant in practice is good. I mean, I don't know if that shoulder is going to be tender or anything, and that might mm-hmm. uh, the hotshots pass rush might really want to get to him to emphasize that so that um, not that they're trying to injure him, but if they can aggravate that shoulder again and get Marquise Williams in the game, that will greatly increase their chance to win. So I would highly recommend um, that the Hot Shots try to hit Logan Woodside as much as possible. This is true. But Arizona has some injury questions of their own. The Hot Shots have been hit by the injury bug, especially at the wide receiver position. Josh Huff is still out, but there's rumors that maybe he could come back at some point. And Rashad Ross has been playing through a very obvious shoulder injury that majorly has limited his production over the past two weeks. He's been keeling over in pain after just about every catch he's made the past two weeks. Yeah, he was limited on Wednesday. That's what he was listed as. So he's probably going to get a day of rest for that shoulder, and he should at least play in the game on Sunday. I have no idea how much he will play, but... That break will be nice for Ross. And then also, just flip it over a little bit here to another commander's injury. Mikhail McKay for the commanders was a did not participate in practice on Wednesday, but he was last week as well, and it seems like he just ends up using Wednesdays as a rehab day and should be good to go for another first quarter touchdown this week like he has for the past two weeks. That's awesome. So personally for Arizona, how do you overcome injuries with your top two receivers? If neither of them are able to play, I don't know how you're going to look at that. Uh, Yeah, you just got to air the ball out and hope that your receivers make the plays that they are capable of. These guys are all professionals. Uh, They're all excellent football players. So Wolford just has to make sure he trusts those receivers to make the plays. And as long as he puts it in the spot where they can catch it, um, it's really going to be at the hands of those receivers to step up and bring that ball in. Yeah, I agree. Well, you brought him up, though. Can Wilford play like the multi-offensive player of the week he is? Wilford has certainly been one of the most dangerous players in the alliance these past couple of weeks, earning offensive player last week against the fleet. But here's the real challenge. Wilford will be traveling to San Antonio where the crowd gets so loud, and their pass defense has been nothing short of spectacular. They have not given up more than 225 yards to the air in either of their past two games. So I'm thinking Wolford's in for a challenge. But if anyone's up for it, I think Wolford's one of them. Yeah, plus we've seen his ability to run the ball, uh, which could really throw off the commanders. I know Manziel did not play that much last week for the Express, but when he did, he was actually able to run it quite a bit. So if Wolford can throw in a little bit of ground game along with his passing game, he might be able to keep the San Antonio defense on his toes, on its toes. Keep him in check. Yeah. Speaking of the other defense, though, that Arizona defensive efficiency has to be better. But the Hot Shots defense could be the X factor in spoiling Sunday's fun for San Antonio. During the course of Arizona's two-game win streak, their defense has collected three interceptions along with three sacks. And they've added, and they asked Logan Woodside, the San Antonio team reporter, 
And Logan Woodside had said they added a couple of new pieces on the defense since the last time we saw them. And they came back and they didn't play against us. So it's going to be a big challenge. We know how good they are and how explosive they can be. So it sounds like Logan Woodside is up for the challenge. But we will have to see that come Sunday night. Yeah, this Hot Shots defense is really, they can be a hit or miss here. And if they hit, they're excellent, just like when they defeated the Apollos a couple weeks ago. So if they, like you said, keep that efficiency up, if they make plays, if they force turnovers, and if they get to the quarterback, the Hot Shots defense might be able to carry this team to a win. Yeah, let's move into players to watch from this game. I'm looking at both quarterbacks, but I don't know if I'm going to start them. I adore both of these guys. But there's major red flags to me for actually paying attention to him. Logan Woodside, I don't know how confident I'm going to be in playing him, especially coming off that injury. Full participant in practice, and the commentators still compared him to Cam Newton. So I would say he's going to be able to fight through that pain. And John Wolford, though, his top two targets could not be playing or at, at all or at less than 100% at best, which also hurts his stock in my eyes as well. Yeah, um, my guy is going to be one of the guys who uh, Logan Woodside is throwing to, and that is Mikhail McKay. I said he was hurt in practice, but I do strongly believe that he will be playing this weekend. He's been good for a touchdown in each of the last two weeks. He hasn't had that many yards, but that touchdown, of course, has proven to be solid, um, particularly for the team to actually win the game. In close games, those touchdowns early in the game have proved extremely important. I wouldn't be surprised if he opens the scoring for the Commanders again for a third week in a row, or if he comes down with a clutch touchdown near the end of the game to maybe give the Commanders a lead. I think he might be the X factor for this Commanders offense this week. That's fair. Moving into potential fantasy stars, I'm thinking my X factor for the Commanders is going to be Kenneth Farrow. Because Arizona doesn't really boast a particularly good rush defense, but they give up the second most touchdowns on the ground, and Kenneth Farrow appears to be a touchdown machine, so I'm thinking he could have another Trent Richardson-type week. Yeah, you know, another running back there, we talk about him pretty much every week as a buy-low option, is Trey Williams. He's fast, he has big playability, and against a team that isn't great against the run, I would not be afraid to start him either in fantasy. And then for my Hot Shots potential fantasy star, I have Rashad Ross. He is injured, but he still has accumulated a decent amount of yards and catches the past two weeks. And he's due for a big game, and this is a great opportunity for him. The commander's secondary has, of course, been great against quarterbacks, but they still give up plenty of yards to wide receivers, um, just like they gave up a decent amount of yards to, uh, I think it was... Mornay Pearson L last week for the Stallions. He had a decent game of 70 yards. So if Rashad Ross could get 70 yards and a touchdown, that's an excellent fantasy outing, and I could definitely see that in his future. Yep, I'm hoping he's going to be healthy enough to complete this game, though. Mm -hmm. Let's move into our predictions. With the game in San Antonio, I think it's pretty obvious that San Antonio's got the advantage, and I'm sticking with that. I got Arizona 17, San Antonio 26. I just really love the energy given off by the Commanders fans, and I really think that that'll motivate the team even more to secure the West. Whether or not Woodside plays, I'm taking the bold move, and I'm saying the Commanders take it home. I'm going to go with the other bold move, and that is saying that the Commanders do not take it home, and that the Hotshots end up leaving San Antonio victorious. I have them winning a very close game, 23-20. to John Wolford looked absolutely lethal last week, and this is not a team that wants to risk their playoff position with a loss. They're going to come out and play hard and fast football, and I think they're going to be able to have the edge despite playing in front of 30,000 hostile fans. If Arizona wins this game, it's going to be a flat-out foot race to the end for the Western Conference. And yeah. either way, it'll it's be, be awesome. a fun ending. Yeah. And we now pause again for a word from our sponsor, Orca Coolers. Show off your AAF team pride with Orca Coolers and drinkware. We kid you not, they're the best coolers and insulated drinkware on the market. And Orca Coolers' new AAF team-logoed coolers and insulated chasers and rocket drinkware will make you the hit of any tailgate that means anything. For example, the cooler's integrated insulation ensures maximum ice-cold retention and freshness of your stowed items for up to 10 days. 10 days. They can almost replace your fridge. 10 days. Yeah, just buy Orca. a bunch of coolers instead of buying one fridge. I like it. Yeah, that's Orca what I is the real deal. Orca Coolers drinkware and apparel are available online at orcacoolers.com. Again, that is O-R-C-A-Coolers.com. 
NFL, NHL, MLB, and NCAA team-logoed merchandise is all available so you're ready for every season when it comes this way. MLB opening day just happened yesterday, so you can get your stuff there too. Orchid Coolers is extending a special offer just to our listeners. Just enter code AAFANALYZED in all caps, no spaces, for free shipping when you place your order online. It's one of the best deals out there. And now we move into our last segment, which of course is Fantasy Football Talk, and I will begin with my plug for the week. That is Nelson Spruce. Um, Spruce is looking good. The Stallion secondary is not that good, and Spruce is the only guy who Berkovici really has a throw to besides Gavin Escobar, so I would go ahead and plug him into your lineup. That's a fair call. With Dante's Ford out, Spruce looks like he's going to be the guy. Guy I'm plugging is Kenneth Farrow. Arizona does not boast a particularly good run defense, as I just said, and they give up the second most touchdowns on the ground. I can definitely see him having a Trent Richardson S day, plus that home field advantage makes me have a lot of faith in him. Kenneth Farrow, from a power player to plug, I just really like this guy, I guess. Yeah, for me, uh, now that we move on to the pass section, this is going to sound a little weird because I just recommended his wide receiver, but I would go ahead and pass on Mike Bergovici. I think there are a lot of better quarterback options out there like Luis Perez, Garrett Gilbert, John Wolford, and a couple others. Uh, I would even start probably Josh Woodrum before Bergovici, in my opinion. So I think Bergovici might still have a decent game, and he might get spruce some yards and perhaps throw a touchdown, but I just think that there are too many other better quarterback options this week, and he should be the guy you pass on. Personally, I think Josh Woodrum will be a top-three quarterback this week, yeah. so I don't think it'll be uh, that bold to start Woodrum over Bergovici. <laughs> Pass for me, I'm looking at another quarterback, Brandon Silvers. I know he's coming off a great game, but going against the Apollos defense, and he's got a looming Johnny Manziel over his head, and I think it's pretty obvious that he's not going to be a great fantasy player with all these factors coming against him. Yeah, pretty much anyone who plays the Apollos defense is going to be a tough fantasy play almost every week. Um, A player who is not going to be a tough fantasy player, and he really never is, is my power player for the week, and that is Trent Richardson. The Legends have the worst run defense in the league by far, and now that Richardson has shown he can run more than five yards and hit open holes, and he continues to score touchdowns, the Legends should be terrified. Like I said, I think Richardson might actually eclipse that 50-yard mark that he has only eclipsed once before, and do not be surprised if he ends up in the end zone after a one-yard run again. Yep, the Trent zone is always deadly. It's always open. My power player is also an iron player. I've got Luis Perez going because he's just been absolutely fantastic as of late. 600 yards, five touchdowns over the past two weeks. I can't say that enough. And the Tyson Graham injury on the Legends secondary also causes more doubt for me. And There's just no other way for me to go other than Luis Perez here. I just think all the factors are lining up for him to have a great day. All right, that is it for this week's episode, folks. We hope to be back next week as long as the AAF doesn't fold out of nowhere. Uh, We don't think it does, of course, but uh, who knows? Who knows? So we will be back, of course, next week on Monday with a recap from all of the games. We will assess the current playoff scenario, see who won, see who lost, and see what that does to their chances of making it to the first-ever AAF championship game in Texas. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate us, particularly on iTunes right now. That is where it would be the biggest help. Uh, Like us on SoundCloud, of course. Follow us wherever you want to follow us on any sort of streaming platform. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at AAFAnalyzed. Thank you so much for listening, and peace out, and play football. Thank you for listening to the AAF Analyzed Podcast. Follow the show on Twitter at AAF Analyzed and feel free to contact the show to have your questions featured on a future episode. And don't forget to check out the show on all other platforms such as iTunes, Overcast, SoundCloud, and YouTube.